if you want to go play on a corner, a very non-busy, vacant area, you can go do that. Or you can go to the busiest street, which happens to be these platforms. And Ty explains it as like lottery balls. Every time he posts a TikTok, it's a lottery ball to potentially hit it big. We've never seen a platform like TikTok in the sense that you don't necessarily need to have a massive follower growth for you to reach a wide audience, especially the way the algorithm is driven. It's a bit democratic. You put together some like cool, funny, viral, remarkable. You want to create something that people see and they want to share with their friends Hmm. immediately. Controlling the narrative is such an important and helpful tool to have as an artist because otherwise you have other people writing the narrative. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business i'm your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business the book third edition is coming out later this year look out for that Today, my guest is Ryan Chisholm. He is the GM of Work of Art Management alongside Work of Art President David Massey, who is also the president and CEO of Arista Records. Ryan actually started his career after playing football, college football at UCLA. Uh, He started his career at Bill Silva Management, where he signed and developed Christina Perry. Together, they sold over 10 million singles, over a million albums, and 2 billion YouTube views with hits like Jar of Hearts, A Thousand Years, and Human. Ryan is also the manager of Mike Posner, the Grammy-nominated and hit producer and songwriter Mike Posner, an artist, of course, whose song I Took a Pill in Ibiza has amassed over 2.5 billion worldwide streams and went top 10 in 85 countries and was number one on Top 40 Radio for two weeks and made history as one of Spotify's top 10 most streamed songs of all time. Now, Ryan is managing Ty Verdes, and Ty is one of these breakout stars from TikTok. We spend most of this this interview, this conversation, uh, discussing Ty Veritas and telling the story of how he went from working a day job at Verizon to hundreds of millions of streams and a top 40 radio single, uh, starting all on his own and that entire journey. So if you want to hear all about his story and how he did it, and and uh, this is definitely going to be a very interesting interview for you. Ryan drops a lot of gems along the way, a lot of things that artists can learn from, and he gives some really great advice to artists on how to structure your careers in the new music business. And his his answer of, of how, what he defines as making it uh, was... was um, very encouraging and inspiring and enlightening. So I encourage you to listen all the way to the very end. As always, you can find us at Ari's Take on 
Instagram, and TikTok, and Twitter. You can find me at Ari Herstand on Twitter and Instagram. Visit ariestake.com to get on that email list. That's where you're going to find all the most important information. Get on that list. We send out notifications every time we release a podcast. And all the most important stuff in the industry that you need to know about, you're going to hear first from the email list. Leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just just pause it right now. If, you, if this, you've been listening to this show for a little while and you haven't reviewed it, I would really appreciate if you could just pause it, leave a quick review, uh, say some nice things on Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars on Spotify. That really helps. If you want us to keep the show going, uh, that's one way. Just let us know that you dig it, and that would be really helpful. If you're listening on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment. I'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the other ones. I I try to I read all of them and I try to get back to as many as I can. So check it out and just follow the show, subscribe to it, like it. However you're listening right now, just uh, you want to get notified about it. Follow, subscribe, like this show. All right, let's kick into the show. All right, Ryan Chisholm, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. So uh, where where are you based? Where are you coming to me from right now? I'm based in LA. Um, born okay. in San Francisco, but but live in nice. LA. Right on, and uh, I'm assuming there's stories uh, behind the basketballs that are um, in plastic or glass containers sitting behind your head for people that are just listening, they can't see it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, basketball paraphernalia, and there's a, a couple of photos. T- tell me about this. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you catch me in a time, I, I haven't been in this office in, no joke, two years, uh, at okay. least working out of it. I popped in, but uh, yeah. you know, it feels with a return to office. Uh, this is this is my office on the Sony lot in Culver City, yeah. and so uh, all my memorabilia has been stashed here. But I, I grew up an athlete, <laughs> uh, you know, just like so many kids. My goal was to play in the NBA, and uh, nice. being a six-one white guy that can't jump that high, uh, my limitations <laughs> uh, were were a ton. So sure, um, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a big basketball uh, fan and I played football at UCLA before transitioning into music and right uh, yeah, so sports sports is important to me that's an interesting transition uh, football at UCLA into music uh, what initially attracted you to music and when did you kind of jump into that was it was it while you were in college and, and what was that journey like yeah I mean I had the benefit and you know just the I'm grateful that I was born um, into a music family. My mm. dad worked uh, as Carlos Santana's manager. You know, he's worked with nice. Santana for 25 years. My mom uh, was like the head accountant for the Warfield and the Fillmore. Both of them at one point worked for Bill Graham Presents. So oh, yeah. I feel like I was kind of part of uh, <laughs> of Bay Area music royalty. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was all around me, but I knew I couldn't play cool. anything. I I didn't play an <laughs> instrument or anything. I, I appreciated yeah. the business side, and you know, for nice. me, it was about playing basketball or being on the field. Nice, nice, the family business. Um, cool. So, um, I'm so you're currently at uh, Work of Art and uh, Work of Art Management Publishing Company. Tell me about tell me about this because uh, I mean. You wear many hats, and as I was, re- I was, I was reading your bio and, and mentioning it before the show during the intro. Uh, you do a lot, but I want to start with work of art, and then I want to branch out to all the other things that you do because I think there's some interesting <laughs> stories there. Uh, first off, just tell me what work of art is and and how long you've been uh, working there and what you do. Yeah, so um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have partnered with David Massey, you know, mm-hmm. who oversees Ariston Work of Art management and pub um so about four years ago david and i were having dinner and him and i 
had a great relationship because I've managed Mike Posner for the past, you know, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And he, when he was running Island, Mike was signed there. And together we had the success of so I took a pill in Ibiza and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. resurrected Mike back to superstardom and as one of the biggest <laughs> records of 2016. And sure. you know, David was a, a massive advocate for Mike at that time. Cool. Um, you know, so him and I had a great relationship. We're having dinner and, um, you know, he mentioned uh, an opportunity and, and, you know, it really, the dinner was to tell me like, Hey, you know, I don't think I'm going to be working with Mike in, in this capacity. And I said, well, you know, what do you want to do? He said, I want to have a management company, a publishing company and mm. you know, a record label. And I said, okay, cool. Who's going to run the management company? He's like, I don't know yet. I said, well, why don't I do that? We'll bring Mike over and we can build from there. And, nice. and that's, uh, that was kind of the foundation of, of, uh, of work of art on the management side and work of art mm-hmm. publishing is run by Cleo Massey. Who's, you know, one of the best publishers in the game. And, and obviously Eris is run by David, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's, it's, it uh, gives us the opportunity to, you know, work with artists in any capacity where it makes sense. So having the mm-hmm. label management and pub, um, you know, it's, it's not often that though, I don't think actually there's any instance where all three of them, um, management label and pub are under one sure. roof but you know there's a few instances where it makes sense and as long as it's the the best deal for the artist um mm-hmm. you know some artists are label and pub some artists are management and label mm-hmm. um in the case for ty and 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 mike um so it works well yeah yeah ty veritas yeah and we're going to talk about him in a second um yeah we had um jp Sachs manager seth callen on the show and and jp and i go back to the hotel cafe singer songwriter nights and um i know that he's a work of art publishing client but also uh with arista and i remember i was uh actually at the airport at lax uh gosh this must have been probably 2019 uh heading to south by so this must have been like march 2019 and i'm i ran into jp we're both on our way to south by and he had all he had the the label offers on the table and he was telling me about de- deciding which label offer and which ones he was thinking about and what he's going to take and and of course Arista was one of them on the table and <clears throat> and um of course he ended up going with Arista which was clearly the right call because uh then uh then he blew up and if the world was ending of course took off and all of that um when when work of art i mean were you um kind of part of i know you're part of work of art but on the publishing side because he's just kind of a publishing client there and then he's on the label side with with arista and david um how closely do does everybody work on each other's projects do you cross over to publishing uh or with with the artists on arista or are you primarily focused on management Primarily focused on management, you know. Cool. I think with with Cleo running the publishing company and David obviously running the label, yeah. uh, it makes it easy for a label and publishing to work really well. And I think, you know, it was, uh, you know, very apparent that JP was an incredible songwriter, which is what mm-hmm. gravitated David and Cleo both to JP at an early stage. You know, f- far before uh, the world was ending, and you know, I yep. think the reason it made sense for him to to be aligned with both companies is, is because of that, you know, because mm-hmm. he's such a great songwriter. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what Cleo and David uh, probably are best at is like real artists, songwriting, you know, yeah. their lyric melody, uh, they're real song people. So, mm. uh, you know, and JP checks all those boxes. He's, you know, similar to Mike Posner in that way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so let's talk Ty Veritas because, um, this is as as kind of TikTok TikTok 
artist success stories go, uh, he's one of the poster children of this era. Um, and I, I heard his interview on Switched on Pop, which um, was very intriguing to me because Ty doesn't follow necessarily the traditional trajectory of an artist. He wasn't really in bands early on in high school. He wasn't doing kind of the music thing, grinding it out like a lot of people, but decided uh, he kind of uh, wanted to do the artist thing and, and almost uh, from my perspective, and then please correct the record or, or explain to me from your perspective and when you came into the picture, it almost seemed like um, kind of like how Lil Nas X went about uh, getting the start is is he was interested in more of um, seeing the uh, like kind of creating the memes and seeing what would catch on TikTok. I mean, he's extremely active on TikTok. And then uh, he was testing out a lot of things. And sure enough, um, you know, one of the the songs he was debating releasing, uh, stuck in the middle, when he posted like, I'll, if I'm gonna, uh, I'll release it if I get a thousand uh, likes, and that exploded, and that everything kind of came after that. So I'm, I'm curious, when did you come into the picture, and then, and then what's what's the story like from your perspective on on Ty Verdes? Yeah, I feel like I came into the the picture pretty early, but it was, you know, I think a week or two after stuck in the middle came out, but oh, wow. you know, just, just to give some background on Ty, I mean, I think what, what's allowed for him to be successful is his drive. Like he, yeah. I, I typically, um, you know, explain it as like Ty trains for music, the way that an Olympic athlete trains for the Olympics. Like wow. if, if he's awake, he's got, you know, Bose headphones on and he's listening to, mixes or demos and giving notes and texting and calling with producers and writers and you know <clears throat> when him and i met he was working at verizon uh and he was scouring the internet you know whether that's youtube or beat stars for instrumentals until 4 a.m and mm. writing the track and that's how stuck in the middle came you know wow. that was a a track which when you go back and listen to it now it sounds like it was created in the room but um no that was uh you know done with a gentleman named Pacom. Uh, who's a, an amazing producer based in, in France, um, wow. you know, and that was just done, uh, done remote. Um, but it's, you know, I think for Ty, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, just to touch on that, because that's really interesting. Um, how did how did Ty link up with this uh, producer from France to create Stuck in the Middle? Or was this a beat that he found, this instrumental, and asked yeah. to use it? Yeah, just a beat. That was it. You know, he, okay. he, he had looked up you know, beats. And again, it was one of those things that found at like three or 4 AM and, uh, you know, got in touch, licensed the beat. And then when mm -hmm. him and I connected, we did the deal proper and make sure that, um, you know, red mosque is the producer's, uh, mm. you know, production moniker, uh, got in touch, made sure that the deal was properly papered and mm -hmm. off to the races. Cause you know, I think that's another big issue is, you know, artists sometimes are using, tracks they don't necessarily have the full rights to use you know you have it up right. to a certain amount of streams or whatnot and you know that can get messy so obviously we wanted to make sure the business was sound i mean that's that's a very important point uh that i think a lot of uh artists starting off um don't really realize i mean you know the fact that uh lil nas x um the the first um old town road had a nine inch nail sample in there i mean there was no kind of permissions <laughs> given i think he bought that beat or thought he was buying it or something and I was, i'm sure it was a permissions nightmare that his label eventually worked out but uh that's a 
that's a perfect example. I mean, did you run into any of that with this instrumental that you had any rights that you had to clear uh, with the producer? Or was Did he license it to any other artists or anything like that? Yeah, I think it did, you know, based okay. on the fact that like, uh, yeah, so there's probably earlier versions, um, you know, and, and truthfully, there's nothing you can do about that in the, mm. in the period that we're living in, you know, sure. of, of beat stars, kind of YouTube beat world where, you know, these guys are doing non-exclusive beats. Uh, right. So what we do is when we papered it, we do a buyout. So in the future, mm. uh, we have I- exclusivity, but technically, if you licensed it prior to stuck in the middle you know that that's fair game to us so. <laughs> i want to i want to hunt down those pre those releases uh that use the same instrumental as stuck in the middle have you heard them <laughs> no but you know i think at the end of the day like it, it's 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 just a popularity thing right so at this sure. point if somebody heard it they would be like oh that's the tie bear that's stuck in the middle track like truth so once you Truth. get to that p- the point doesn't matter it's just kind of a remix or uh, you know almost like a mixtape song at that mm. point so, so you came in at a really interesting time uh, in Ty's career. He still has a day job. Uh, I watched the TikTok of him live quitting uh, Verizon uh, because Stuck in the Middle took off. I recommend everybody watching that. It's amazing and hilarious. Um, what were the initial conversations that you had with him when um, you first met and, and decided uh, to, to create this partnership together? Yeah, I mean, th- there was multiple conversations. I think, sure. you know... You got have to remember this was, you know, basically June, July of 2020. So we're three, mm. four months into the pandemic. Wow. Uh, we're all kind of in this uncharted territory. We're in and out of lockdowns. He's mm-hmm. working at a Verizon store, which was, you know, allowed to remain open. Um, you know, so the good thing is he stayed employed. He could continue to pay his rent, but he was in an empty store most of the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, which if you go back and look at his TikToks, like it allowed him the opportunity to make a ton of content because he was alone <laughs> in the store. But I, sure. there were countless calls, you know, with label presidents where he's behind the desk and a customer would come in and the screen would just go dark because he'd have to like throw the phone <laughs> into the, uh, you know, into the into the drawer, and then we'd explain it because it would happen so often that we'd be like, "Hey, so sorry, a customer came in. Like, he'll be right back," uh, you know, or he's like running to his car to do calls with poor wi-fi you know it, it was just one of those things that consistently happened and people mm-hmm. understood because we were all in this kind of new normal um yeah. and he was by himself like he didn't have another coworker there most of the time like he managed the mm-hmm. store and uh you know i think the, the company was trying to keep overhead low and so there wasn't mm-hmm. a reason to have two employees because there was rarely anybody coming in uh, sure so it, it, sure. Was, it was an interesting time for sure Mm. So when you guys started talking, um, did you what were what was kind of the trajectory and and uh, what were the plans that you set in place and what were some of the goals uh, early on that uh, you guys discussed? Yeah, when we first connected, I want to say like there's maybe 200 creations on the sound, if if that, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. And each day, you know, looking at Spotify for artists, Apple for artists, like you would just see the song going up and up. And, and at that mm. point, he only had one song out uh, under mm. the Ty Verda's name, which was Stuck in the Middle. And so every day we'd go up and up and up. And, you know, we were obviously reaching out to all the DSPs and, you know, trying to educate. But again, like this is during a TikTok time where like there was a new song or a new sound or a new dance happening once a week. And sure. the, the best thing that happened to us was slow and steady success. 
mm-hmm. and growth. You know, when I remember July 5th, I was in Arizona with, with family uh, for the holiday and, and Ty sent a text and it was stuck in the middle of number one on the viral chart. And hmm. I thought it was Photoshopped. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause like we went from like not even on the chart uh, yeah. to, to number one. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. Like we should post it just for fun. And then I realized, right. oh, this, this is, this is real. Um, you know, and we're talking so about Spotify viral like, charts or the TikTok viral? Yeah, Spotify viral charts. So, wow. You know, okay. you know, which, which meant something. And so, yep. you know, at that time I had been in conversation with a number of labels. And so I'm, you know, pulled over along the side of the road of the five and <laughs> send a text like, Hey, you see this, you see, it? you know, cause it's, you got to yeah. take advantage of the moment. I don't know. Maybe the chart updates. I know it updates once a day, but like, you know, yeah. we might not be number one tomorrow. So I'm going to take advantage of it in the moment and make sure everybody knows about it today. There you go. Um, and so we did that. And, you know, I think we had a number of major label offers on the table and, you know, none of them were what we wanted. Um, and what I told Ty was like, I want, I want this deal to a be a deal where you're able to retain ownership of your masters. Um, you know, I'd love to be in a position where we're putting enough money in your pocket that you're able to not think about, you know, having to work a job for two full years because it takes a while to build a career. Um, and that was basically the benchmark was Mm. ownership. And, um, again, it wasn't about like, Hey, let's get the biggest deal. Uh, because I think there's a downside to that as well. It was, let's just make it so that you can quit. And so he didn't quit right away. You know, we invested my own money into it, uh, to do Mm. music videos and, uh, advertising and, you know, influencer content and whatnot, you know, like, Mm. but uh, I knew it was going to come because we had, we had some great deals on the, on the table, but nothing exactly what we wanted. And, Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, as a manager, and like, this speaks more to the setup that we have, like, I didn't go to Arista first, even though it was because of my Arista role that I, you know, it was an Arista A&R meeting, where I was told about Ty, Um, Mm. but it was early, didn't make sense for the label, Arista is a new label, and um, Mm. there was a ton of development that happened. So we made the decision on the call for me to speak to him as a manager, because he didn't have Mm. a manager at the time. and, Mm -hmm. And that's how the relationship came about. Um, so I, oh, continue. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. There's a a few things that you mentioned in there that I want to touch on. Um, and then I, I want to get to the point of, of deciding why you went with them. But, um, the influencer deals that you mentioned, uh, now we had, um, Griffin Hatterall, who runs Vertical, uh, influencer marketing agency on the show. We also had uh, Austin Georges, who run, uh, is part of Flight House, another kind of TikTok influencer marketing agency. When you mentioned influencer deals, did you engage one of these or any influencer marketing company to kind of help give the song a boost on TikTok to keep the momentum going? You know, we, we tried that route. It didn't exactly work because also we didn't have okay. ma- this was my pocketbook. This wasn't, you sure. know, record label labels. pocketbook. Yep. So what we were doing is taking more of a Gary Vee mentality. And so hmm. you know, I, co- I co-managed Ty with my partner, Brandon Epstein. Um, hmm. And collectively between Ty, myself, Brandon, um, you know, and a few others on our team, we were just reaching out to influencers directly, DMing nice. them, you know, c- creating spreadsheets and, and basically just tracking like, hey, you know, you used a song, used, you know, Harry Styles, Watermelon Sugar, like you might like this new artist pop in or use Surfaces, mm-hmm. uh, Sunday Best, like, you know, check out this kid tie. And 
um, you know, we were able to kind of get some things going on that. There was some like young college kids that were down to help and had some influencer relationships, you know, we'd float them a little bit, but you know, we were able to get a lot for a little at at that time. Right. And now I think, you know, the prices have gone up for a lot of these people warranted or unwarranted. I don't know, but um, (laughs) we'll see, you know, uh, Again, when we went, I think we were at 400 creations or something like that when we went number one on the viral charts. So the thing is, there was never a, the sound didn't go viral initially. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there wasn't a specific video that did, you know, millions and millions of views. It was consistency. And Mm -hmm. you look at Ty, Ty used TikTok almost as a reality television show. Like you can go back and watch it in chronological order. You can hear him playing the song in his radio for the first time. Uh, in his car you can see him shooting the artwork on tiktok you can see you know him pulling up spotify for artists and it being heavily male skewed and telling his dude fans to go send it to the girls and then seeing (laughs) you know the follow-up to now it's like heavily female like he he was doing things that i hadn't seen other artists do and i think Mm. that's why it works so well and i think you know again we're locked in the house for basically a year plus right and mm-hmm. um his first show ever is Lollapalooza in front of 35,000 people wow um, and what we learned Brandon myself and Ty then was like this dude's face is very recognizable because we're on a golf cart going from stage to stage and <laughs> people are just like because everybody's been on TikTok you know yep. so like they've seen his videos they've seen him and like so often you're chasing the song and trying to connect artists to the song. And it was Mm -hmm. almost like we had, we had him. He's a very good looking dude. He's iconic Mm -hmm. looking in terms of his hair. He's Mm -hmm. got dope style. Like he's approachable. Um, He has all these things going for him. He has like this confidence, but not cocky attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, And people like love the fact that they saw him from Verizon and like they were rooting for him every step of the way. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of like what, what movies are made of, right? Like, yeah, um, it's a bit of a storybook ending that continues to grow, which we're excited about. I mean, you make a great point. He used his TikTok almost like a reality TV show, and it was more about the consistency. I mean, I did go back and watch a bunch of these, and I mean, he must have soundtracked his own TikTok videos, maybe 30, 40, 50 of them with Stuck in the Middle. Oh, it's more. I mean, uh, we we yeah. counted it at some point. Like, I want to say it might have been it might've been in the hundreds. Like, and wow. we now track, we track now new songs, right? Like that we're mm. teasing and just to see how they do. And yeah. you know, he, he, he's going to do what he does. He doesn't do sure. anything based on data. Um, you know, there's, there's instances where it's happened for us. Like the first time he teased tic- or teased a okay on TikTok, uh-huh. like I think it was like 40 million views or something insane, yep. you know, and led to a hundred thousand pre-saves, you know, when we did, mm. we didn't plan for last day on earth to come out that song he teased on December 26th and it ended up doing, you know, millions basically mm-hmm. overnight. And so we were like, okay, this song is raising its hand, but like, mm. we're not living and dying by TikTok. Like we have a song that comes out tonight, you know, it's done decent on our teases, but it wasn't sure. like everything we're going to put out. Cause at the end of the day, he's an artist and he has a story to tell and he has, yep. you know, he's trying to lay this out. The other thing about Ty is Ty knows album one is TV. He knows album two is HGTV. He knows what album three is and album four. He knows the colors. Mm. He knows the content. He knows the storyline. Like nobody has a more fleshed out kind of vision for their career than, than him as a new artist. And I think that's mm. why it's so easy because he, we're not chasing a song. It, we do not live or break or die by one song. Um, mm. 
he's created so much music that it's like if this one happens cool if it doesn't we got the next one in the chamber you mm -hmm. know he's writing and directing almost every single music video we have mm -hmm. a, a fun video coming out tonight that you know features him as like a star basketball player and you know nice. we share that background like he's you know his goal was also to play in the nba he's six seven mm -hmm. like it's extremely wow. athletic and uh you know mm -hmm. if it wasn't for injury you know he'd probably be playing at the next level mm. uh, so man yeah i mean he's it's it, what you just explained it seems to me i mean he's a true artist i mean he has the vision he has a strong identity of himself which i think a lot of younger artists struggle with and that's um, something that, to his credit, he's been able to, um, I mean, create uh, this audience that who is engaged with him because he has a strong sense of self <clears throat> and because he has this vision, which is um, so crucial for a lot of artists. Because if you, like you said, I mean, that's great that you're not um, putting all your eggs in the TikTok basket. I mean, if you, you know, live by TikTok, you die by TikTok, live by the hit, die by the hit. And by kind of uh, growing it slower, but also, um, you know, laying that groundwork, that's what's going to keep the, the audience um, with you for a, a long time. Um, Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take, and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all of that. Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I have distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what DistroKid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. DistroKid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that, for me, at this point, is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. DistroKid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up, and then DistroKid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. DistroKid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, districtkid.com. So the um the you you touched on it, but I want to I want to um just bring it back a, a little bit. You mentioned um his tease for AOK. -okay. I mean, this is him in his car saying I want you to feel 2% better about your day when you hear this and it's just him singing along to uh the masters that he has. And yeah, that video got 40 million views um, and a bunch of, I think now it's at about a, a, a million uh, creations of people have made the uh, their own videos to the sound of AOK. -okay. Was this after the deal or did that help you leverage, uh, bring, bring leverage to the table with the labels to actually get the deal that you wanted where you were able to retain ownership of the masters and a, and a, a nice advance to enable him to live for two years? Yeah, it, it was after, um, you know, but I mm. think they, they knew, um, they knew what was kind of cooking, um, for Ty. And, you know, I think, again, that's the benefit of having a management label published company. Like we're, 
we're only going to mm-hmm. do the, the best deal possible for the artist. And at the same time, like if RCA would have given us a similar deal or like this was not um, completely decided by any means that like, oh, because we're part of Arista mm-hmm. um, and we share the same roof that like it's going to go here. Like I was just as happy to, you know, to do a deal with Tunji or to do a deal with Aaron Bashuk. Like we had a number of partners that were extremely passionate um, mm-hmm. it just didn't line up based on, you know, their release schedule and, and David and the Arista team at Darduini, you know, Zeke Silvera, Ryan Faust, uh, those guys just were so passionate and, and mm-hmm. gave them a deal that like, I can look him in the eyes in five years and be like, that was the best deal on the table. Like, and that's, that's constantly what, you know, whether it's talk, I'm talking to Mike Posner or Ty Verdes or Claire Rosencrantz, like, you know, mm-hmm. we are, that's, that's kind of how we judge our any long-term serious deal it's like Mm. can i look at you in five years and be like yeah that was the best deal to do at the time Mm -hmm. um you know because you can't be in the moment you can't chase the check Mm -hmm. uh you know and you have to be um sound in the sense of like betting on yourself but also Mm. making sure that like you know you're taking care of your needs in the current moment um so Mm -hmm. there's there's a bit of balance to be done and and numerous conversations and you know brandon epstein from our team is like so diligent and detail oriented and and you know him and i look at things a bit differently and we i mean we probably speak 20 times a day and we're constantly like debating you know and devil's advocating conversations and decisions and whether that's a tour or a deal or a brand sponsorship or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. um you know I i have a an incredible sounding board around us. And then we take that feedback to Ty and Ty is heavily involved. You know, mm. all of our artists are very business savvy. They understand, yeah. um, you know, and they educate themselves uh, to a pretty um, detailed degree of, of mm. the ins and outs of the music industry, which I think is also just a product of the times. I think artists sure. are far more aware today mm-hmm. of the deals that they're entering than, um, than they were probably 20 years ago. Sure. Yeah, people are sharing that information a lot more open. I mean, we had uh, Ricky Montgomery on the show, uh, similarly, who had some songs explode on TikTok, and he was able to get into a major label <laughs> bidding war and leverage that into retaining his masters. Actually, did a, doing a 50-50 split with Warner um, and just a licensing deal with a nice advance. In terms of the kinds of deals that you're seeing these days, I mean, that was still relatively early uh, in this new era where uh, in, in kind of the TikTok era, this is like, what, mid-2020 or so, then this is all happening? Mm-hmm. Um, are you seeing deals uh, like where you're able to retain the ownership of your masters more and more? I mean, did you see these kinds of deals even five years ago? Or was this, did you just know that this is where the tides were turning and you could even ask for something like that because i don't think a lot of artists or managers even knew that that was even possible to do so before being at work of art and arist i was at network music group you know canadian-based independent record label management mm-hmm. company publishing company so i basically was at a company that was similar in the sense of like having that three-pronged approach but being an independent mm-hmm. um you know and i think the strength network has done an incredible job over the past 30 plus years of, sure. of being a label and um, you know, I was working on the label side as well as a management company. And I knew, you know, we were going after rainbow kitten surprise. And I remember when, uh, I saw Electra out there and I was like, man, if like the majors are going after these things and being competitive and I know, 
you know, I'm not going to say exactly what the terms were, but they were, sure. it was the first time I saw a major do a very aggressive deal. And I remember going to Terry and be like, hmm. if the majors are doing these deals, like it's challenging for independence to compete at that level, at least for the mm-hmm. things that are, um, you know, statistically competitive. Like, you know, I think what network's doing a great job of right now is finding things before anybody else knows about it. Uh, and, and that's hard because all the majors have similar research tools, um, sure. but, you know, they're carving out a niche of, um, you know, artists and genres that, you know, have similar affinities and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very fruitful. Um, mm-hmm. Terry McBride is probably one of the smartest guys in the music business. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to name check that real quick. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. So. Wow. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's really uh interesting the the fact that i mean you saw that from that perspective i mean when i heard that uh the majors were offering these kinds of deals i mean that was mind-blowing to me i didn't realize that this was actually happening but they do need to stay competitive i mean they're losing market share year over year they're at 65 percent uh market share right now the indies the labels and the self-release artists uh are at the 35 percent and they're they're gaining on them um, and so it is they the majors do need to stay competitive because artists can self-release their music uh, because in 2021 the numbers came out self-release artists made over 1.5 billion dollars just releasing their own music and so um, the labels need to bring something to the table other than just a big paycheck especially because there are so many resources just like you said where the artists are educating themselves these days and they know what kinds of deals are out there and um and uh what they can take um so in terms of um ty with i mean he has this this album um out tv came out uh last year 2021 um in are there two oh, i see that there's a like touring now is, is a big part of uh the operation tell me about kind of you know i mean what was it like for him to never perform a gig and perform a first gig at Lollapalooza in front of 35,000 people and now, you know, go on a full-fledged tour and how you kind of prepare someone for that and and what was that all like? Yeah, I I mean, I'll give most of that credit to my partner, Brandon. Brandon, you know, runs most of the touring operation uh, for for our artists. But, you know, we just kind of surrounded him with the best in the business. So Mm. Drew Tobinfeld and uh, Kevin Cofield are our musical directors and basically you know, helped to uh, pull together our band. And, you know, we've gone through um, a few different iterations, but feel like we have some of the strongest players there are. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know, Ty's a phenomenon, man. Mm -hmm. He's had been to very few shows uh, (laughs) prior to like playing himself. And he's just natural, you know, Mm -hmm. he just does all the things on stage that you would imagine somebody with 10 years of experience would do. And, um, it's you know it's, it's amazing but like it takes it takes a village right like so we have mm-hmm. a great vocal coach in valerie morehouse we have our great musical directors we have an incredible band we have you know incredible crew like we, we basically put all the necessary pieces around him to you know ensure and our booking agent you know wasserman zach bluestone steph miles who does our branding like everybody's just been operating at like you know treating him as a top tier artist, which Mm. he has become really quickly, you know, from a revenue standpoint, he's selling out tours. He's doing brand deals with some of the best brands in the world. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, the fact that this kid was eating Chipotle 
six, uh, you know, every day for six months. And now Chipotle sponsored his last U.S. tour. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> that's and we're, amazing. we got a lot more going on. And, you mm-hmm. know, uh, between that and Coke and Bose and Verizon. And, mm. you know, we, we have a, a lot of fun stuff in store for the upcoming year and, and some, you know. And, mm-hmm. and as mentioned, there will be a new album this year. We're already uh on basically as of tonight we'll have three songs out from the new new project nice. um, you know and and you know at some point he's going to need a break i've never seen somebody work harder i've never seen somebody have so little time off um wow. but again even if we try to build in time in his calendar off like he's gonna he's gonna be on that phone he's gonna be writing he's gonna be calling producers he's gonna cool. he doesn't know how to turn it off yet so uh, that'll yeah. come soon that's great um, so there's a lot of, uh, independent musicians listening right now and speak to them as in what if, like, what are your recommendations to artists these days, uh, where maybe they're not finding the traction, um, right now they you know maybe they are on the other end of the spectrum where they've played a lot of shows but they're not really resonating um on the internet or on tiktok um what are your recommendations to artists um to kind of um move it to that next level and what would you recommend artists these days uh focus on yeah i mean i think whether it's fortunate or unfortunate you got to focus on digital Okay. Um, at, at least as of right now, um, mm-hmm. you know, things could shift and, you know, as the world continues to open up, like, you know, artists can build DIY in terms of playing live and getting people out to shows and, you know, 50 fans turns into 150 fans and everybody starts telling two or three friends. And obviously like that, you know, that's the old school mm-hmm. way of going about it. But uh, I think right now, like, yeah, you, you have to put your stuff online. You have to create your brand. You have to get, um, you know, music on these platforms, whether it's Reels or Snapchat or TikTok, like, you know, uh, I gave somebody the analogy recently. It's like, yeah, if you want to go play on a corner, a very like non-busy, vacant area, you can go do that. Or you can go to the busiest street, you know, which happens to be these platforms, like, you know, and, mm. and Ty explains it as like lottery balls. Every time he posts a TikTok, it's a lottery ball to you know, potentially hit it big. And, huh. you know, I think we've never seen a platform like TikTok in the sense that you don't necessarily need to have a massive follower growth for you to reach a wide audience. And so um, why not, you know, and I don't think there's so many different ways to utilize a platform like TikTok and, and or Reels or or Snapchat and, you know, YouTube mm-hmm. Shorts. And um, But TikTok, I think, especially the way the algorithm is driven, like, mm-hmm. You, you know, it's a bit democratic. You put together some like cool, funny, viral, remarkable, you know, I think remarkable yeah. is, is used uh, sometimes in the right, that's what you want. You need engagement, mm-hmm. right? So you create mm-hmm. some piece of content and, and really it's, it's driven by share. So you want to create something that uh, people see and they want to share with their friends mm-hmm. immediately. You create yeah. something like that. And that's why, you know, Hey, I want, I want this to make you feel 2% better. I don't yeah. think he realized how genius that was. Uh, <laughs> you know, at the time, but it's like, yeah, who, if he would have said 10%, like people probably would have just been like, nah, I don't, but like 2% is mm-hmm. a pretty low bar. Right. <laughs> uh, but he knows that, like, yeah, that's the thing about Ty. And I, I don't tell him this stuff because his head's already big enough, but uh, <laughs> that was like an incredibly genius move. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he's constantly thinking about those things. Anytime mm-hmm. he gives an interview, like he has a line ready to go that like, 
he's going to write your headline. Um, nice. And I think controlling controlling the narrative is is such an important um, and helpful tool to have as an artist because, um, yeah, otherwise you have other people writing the narrative. Mm, such a great point. Such <laughs> a great point. Um, so that's, I mean, very helpful and, and um, very useful. I'm curious, you mentioned Snapchat. Uh, is Snapchat coming back? What are you seeing these days on Snapchat and how are you using Snapchat and, and how are you telling your artists to focus on it? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the kids use Snap, you know, mm-hmm. so much so, right? Like, it's still kind of a private uh, application case, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it, we have the the benefit of having relationships to try to get the sound, you know, in a place that can be used and make it ubiquitous in, in a community. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I would um, – Snapchat is something – is definitely a platform, you know, for Last Day on Earth. We didn't necessarily have – um, insane momentum coming from TikTok, but we did mm-hmm. in Snapchat and it was in wow. territories of like India, for example, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think, uh, it's not, TikTok's not the only game in town. It's, it's probably one of the biggest, but mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important. You never know, like, you know, we see a pretty consistent, um, trend that if like something goes well on TikTok, it's also going to do well on reels. So it's mm-hmm. probably more just, um, you know, a, a byproduct of, of good content that's shareable. Mm-hmm um yeah that makes so. sense i mean everyone's trying to compete with tiktok uh right snapchat spotlight youtube shorts instagram reels uh they see what's working and what people are responding to so so that makes sense um and the, and the benefit the nice thing is is if it works uh you create the one video you can kind of reuse it to all the platforms uh you know if, it, if it's resonating and working it's working um amazing ryan this has been um so helpful and i i mean you dropped so many gems and it was really great hearing uh the story and how you developed tie and and all of this um i have one final question that i ask everyone who comes on the show um what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business i mean i I don't know if i have you know and i think that's (laughs) that's the athletic background for me um you know is like uh there's a bit i talk about this with with mike posner constantly who's probably one of the biggest blessings of a client to have because Mm. he's so focused on um you know, mental health, physical mm-hmm. health, like being present in the moment, um, you know, and, and you do have to celebrate the victories because at the end of the day, like it's not the destination. It's, you know, it's, 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 you know, the experience getting there, um, mm. you know, so, so we, you know, try to take the moments to be grateful for what's happening, you know, pinch ourselves. I remember like when Ty played Lala, for 35,000 people, I was looking at Brandon crying. Like, you know, it's like, what? <laughs> like we, we've been doing this for like, yeah. And I'm not that, I'm a kind of a, like a grizzly bear kind of yeah. <laughs> uh, non-emotional person. Like, sure. um, you know, but that's, that's what you do it for. And so I say, um, you know, I think making it is, is relative. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're fortunate to wake up and um, not have a regular nine to five. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it allows for me to take care of my family and, you know, as long as I continue to do this, like I've made it, um, Mm. you know, but at the same time, like I'm competitive. I want to have number ones. I want to have artists playing arenas and stadiums. And, Mm. uh, so until we're there, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like we've quite made it. Um, Mm. but I'm uh, fortunate to have, uh, you know, to be able to do it another day. That's great. Always practicing gratitude. Ryan Chisholm, thank you so much. Likewise. Thanks for having me.
brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. 